and welcome back to the Eurotrips football podcast. We are back after a week hiatus to talk all things domestic European football. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm this week, as ever, joined by Jonathan, Naeem and Ryan. How are you all today? Good. Yeah, doing very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Great stuff, good to hear. Um, yeah, apologies for our listeners for our lack of podcasts in the last seven days. It has been a very busy week for all of us, so um, yeah, we couldn't get anything done last week. But we are back to talk all things football, and a quick shout-out to a guy I met yesterday, one of our newest subscribers, a guy named Tim, who I met at a sports bar in Tampa. So if you're listening, Tim, which I'm sure you are, it was nice to meet you. Um, right, so our first thing we're going to focus on is all things going on in Germany and the Bundesliga. So, Jonathan... What's been happening and what's to look forward to on the weekend? Last week in Germany was match day 11. Probably the biggest result of the weekend was Dortmund finally got a convincing win over Stuttgart after so many 1-0, barely scraping by narrow victories to start the season. They put their stamp on this game and absolutely demolished Stuttgart to move back up uh, closer to the top of the table. And then somehow the worst team in the league Bochum beat the league leaders Union Berlin, which is basically just a pure gift for Bayern Munich as Bayern are now back in second place. One point off of Union Berlin. Uh, The table looks pretty funny at the moment because in first through eighth, so that's Union Berlin all the way to Leipzig, you have a team at 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16 points. So each team in that top eight is separated by just one point, which is a pretty funny side. I don't think I've ever seen that in a table before this far into the season, uh, which is pretty cool. Champions League wise, uh, I mean, Bundesliga teams have had some fairly decent success. Frankfurt are still in it. Uh, Leverkusen have dropped out. They still have a chance for the Europa League, though. Of course, Bayern and Dortmund are through and then Leipzig has a very good chance of advancing as well. Um, but we could see a thing here coming up that if Freiburg, they'll advance to the knockout round of the Europa league. Um, Cone, I th- think they still have a slight chance in the conference league and then Union Berlin and then three more teams. If they drop down to the Europa league, we could see five Bundesliga teams be forced to play on Sunday um, in 2023 because of Europa League contests, which is, I don't think it's something I can remember as most games uh, happen on Saturday. So that would mean five games, 10 teams will have to play on Sunday for at least the first bit of 2023, which will definitely uh, make the scheduling quite interesting in the league. But overall, the biggest game this upcoming weekend is probably going to be Frankfurt against Dortmund. Frankfurt are looking really good at the moment. Rendo Kolomowani has been an unbelievable signing from Nantes. He's completely taken over the striker role. Uh, I feel like he would have been the perfect Holland replacement, but is leading the league. I think he leads the league in assists, actually, from a number nine. That's pretty impressive. And then Union Berlin play Gladbach as well this weekend in a sort of of top-of-the-table clash as well. So interesting games coming up, and it'll be really, really uh, interesting to see how these European fixtures finish up before the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. I'm still so shocked that Union Berlin is still top. I mean, if you told me at the start of the year that, you know, Union Berlin would be one point clear of Bayern, uh, albeit they were four points clear before this weekend just gone, only losing two games, um, 
and a yeah, pretty good defensive record as well. I've been looking at the table now, the best, joint best defensive record in the league with just eight goals conceded. Um, and yeah, I think it looks quite tight at the bottom as well, looking at the table. So I think the Bundesliga, well, it's annoying that Bayern seems to be you know, back to the top again and like the normal sort of status quo. But yeah, I just, I'm so shocked that Union Berlin is still riding high on the table. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we're talking, Union has probably the third or fourth lowest budget in the entire first division. So the fact that they're still leading through match day 11 with the loss to Bochum is, is pretty incredible. But at the same time, it's sort of the, you know, the Arsenal thing where they're a great side. They'll, they'll most definitely make it to Europe and again, unless something catastrophic happens, but you just know that Manchester city or Bayern Munich is right on their heels. And there's always that sad feeling, you know, in the end who will probably end up winning, but you know, as I always say, we'll, Enjoy the table as long as it lasts. Yeah, it reminds me of a few years ago, and I will appreciate this. I think it was in La Liga. I think it was Ibar, I want to say, for a while. I think it, I want to say it was maybe three or four seasons ago when Ibar, you know, they have one of the smallest stages, they have one of the smallest budgets, and they were for a while. I think they were competing for top four. And I can't think, looking at their finishes now, it might be, I can't think when it was. So the season it might be in 1718, um, looking at just the previous finishes here, where there was one point where for a while they were sort of in amongst the Champions League places before eventually it did fall off. So I think, you know, you know, you everyone sort of uses Pep spending as sort of a sort of the one thing they have against him when it comes to his success. But when you see him on the other flip side, you see managers or teams, you know, performing well beyond their means. I think it's always that just shows the kind of job that that's done managerially to get a team where they are. I think that just shows from the Berlin manager, how well he's doing, the fact that they are, as you say, the fourth or third worst least spending team in the league. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Urs Fischer, he's been there for, gosh, probably four or four or so years now, helped them get promoted into the first division just a couple years ago. So you have to feel that, you know, one of these days, if he does decide to move on, he's going to get a, a big boy job. Maybe Dortmund, if Edin Terzic doesn't stay around for a while, I could definitely see that happening. Definitely, definitely. Right, we're head, speaking of Ibar, we're going to head to La League now in Spain. So, Naeem, what's been happening in Spain and what we got to look forward to? Yeah, so, obviously, since our last pod, there have been three um, match days being played in La Liga. So, I'll just quickly just go through the teams at the bottom and the teams chasing Europe because that's what, um, obviously, people are more interested in. So, um, rock bottom still is Elche. They still are without a win in um, 11 games. In that time, since our last pod, they drew two games and they lost one game. The draws came against Valencia and Espanyol, both ending 2-2. Obviously, the defeat was a 3-0 loss to Real Madrid, uh, who obviously are flying at the moment. The team in 19th place is obviously Cadiz. They, they drew two games and they lost one, same as Elche. Uh, the draws came against Girona and Real Betis. Uh, one one and a nil nil respectively, and they 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 lost five one to Raya Vallecano. There was three red cards in that game: two for Elche, one for Raya Vallecano, who obviously uh, promoted last season. And the last team in the relegation spot is Girona. Obviously, they got promoted last season as well. They they have the same record: two draws and one loss. So. Yeah, it's pretty pretty even records there in the last three games between the teams in the relegation spots. But then, yeah, going up to the other half of the table, 
So in the Europa League's the Europa Conference League spot is Atleti Club. They obviously started they started the season off quite well, but you know they kind of have been fought in a little bit at the moment. They last three games they've lost two and drawn one. Their defeats came against Atletico Madrid and Barcelona last weekend. They lost four 0 at the New Camp or whatever it's called these days, Spotify Stadium, wherever it is. But obviously I know it's the New Camp. Um, in obviously fifth fifth spot we have Real Betis. Uh, they have an even record: one win, one draw, one loss. Their win came against um, Almera, newly promoted team as well. Three one there. They got a nil nil draw against Real Betis, and they lost to Atletico Madrid in the last game week. So yeah, next spot we've got Real Sociedad. They got two wins and one loss, so they're doing all right there. Their two wins. Came against Mallorca and uh, Celta Vigo. Do one there in the top four spots of the Champions League spots. Atletico Madrid, who been been doing all right in the league, but obviously in uh, Europe, uh, it looks like they're going to be going down to the Europa League. Had obviously a chance yesterday to make it three-two after getting a penalty after the whistle was blown, but obviously that was saved by the goalkeeper and a rebound hit the crossbar. But their record in the last three games, they've got two wins and one draw. Their two wins came against Real Betis and Atleti Club, and they drew 1-1 with Rayo Vallecano. So yeah, going on to Barcelona, who obviously are second at the moment. And obviously they are all but confirmed going, dropping down to the Europa League as well. So the Spanish teams aren't doing too well in the Champions League. It's only really Real Madrid that have been doing well. Obviously, they won it last season and pretty much qualified out of their group. So, yeah, Barcelona, they got two wins and one loss. Obviously, the the first, obviously, the feat of the season came against Real Madrid in El Clasico. That was 3-1. Um, and then, yeah, they bounced back pretty much after those two games, keeping two clean sheets, uh, both at home. One was a 3-0 win against Villarreal, and then the other one was last weekend, like I said, against Atleti Club. So, other than the Real Madrid game, yeah, they haven't conceded a goal, so they're doing well defensively there. But obviously in Europe, that's another question. Obviously, questions will be asked of Xavi, you know, that this is the second season they have dropped down to the Europa League. Fair enough, obviously, he came in halfway uh, through the season last season. But yeah, this season with the signings that they've made, yeah, they're not doing too well in Europe. So yeah, another season in the Europa League, if they can obviously win that um, round of 32 match. So we'll see what happens there. But obviously... St- Keeping their spot at the top of the table is Real Madrid. Three wins in a row um, since the last pod. Obviously, they won the El Clasico at the Bernabeu. And then the other two wins came on the road to Elche. And then they beat last weekend Sevilla, who obviously are still struggling this season, 3-1. As it stands, Sevilla are 12 points from the top, top top four spots. So, yeah, they've got quite a lot to do if they want to get European football next season. But... Yeah, as it stands, it looks like Real Madrid will probably win back-to-back titles unless Barcelona can, unless they can catch them up. They're only three points behind them at the moment. But yeah, I'll quickly go through the table. So like I said, Elche are bottom with four points. 19th is Cadiz with seven points. Girona are 18th with nine points. Sixth place is Athletic Club. They're on 18 points. Real Betis, they're on 20 points in fifth place. Fourth place is Real Sociedad with 22 points. Atletico Madrid, one point ahead of them on 23. 
Barcelona in second with 28 and Real Madrid with 31. And a couple of games to look out for this weekend. Valencia against Barcelona. Valencia obviously have they've been doing they haven't been doing too bad this season. Um obviously Barcelona see if they can keep another clean sheet on the road. Uh, another game to look out for is an athletic club against Villarreal. They're both on the same points. Uh, Villarreal hit a little bit of bad form at the moment, but that's what, what another game to look out for. The winner will temporarily go into fifth place, depending on how Real Betis does. And then the last game is Real Sociedad against Real Betis. So that's fourth against fifth. So, yeah, some good games this weekend. And, yeah, we'll see um, what will happen at the top and the bottom of the table. Yeah, you mentioned it then, you touched on the fact that Atletico Madrid, you know, lost that game to Le- or I think drew that game to Leverkusen at a crazy ending. I remember watching mm. that, like, I was amazed what's going on. But in terms of the whole Champions League, I know we're just talking about the Messi foot, but only at the moment, only one team is qualifying from Spain in a knockout. Um, as you mentioned, Barcelona, they're out of the Champions League, they're heading to Europa League. Sevilla are out of the Champions League, they're third place in their group, you know. Um, and the other team, Barcelona, obviously Barcelona, Atletico. So you've got Barcelona, Atletico, and you've got Sevilla all out. It was only, only Real Madrid who were through. Um, you know, this is the league that has had many, obviously Madrid have won multiple league, Champions League, Barcelona have, Atletico have got to multiple finals, same as Valencia, a league. This is a, this is a league that has been for years and years one of the mainstays of European football, and we've got multiple Serie A teams, multiple Bundesliga teams still in the tournament, and also the Premier League. So does this, obviously you've had the golden era, you know, the Barca-Madrid days with, you know, Ronaldo, Messi, all the great players there. Do you think this these performances in New York show perhaps the the quali- how the quality of the league in La Liga has gone downhill compared to years gone by? I think it does in a way, because obviously when you play in Europe, you're playing obviously, you know, the best team from um, around Europe. And yeah, the last couple of seasons, barring like Real Madrid, you know, Barcelona have been this is their second time um, in the Europa League. Obviously, Athletic Premier Madrid, they usually do get out the group stages, but I don't know whether maybe Simeone's coming to his cell by date now because, you know, they got to those two finals. Obviously, they're playing Real Madrid. They were the best team at the time. You know, if things went the other way, they could have had two Champions League. He could have had two Champions League uh, medals under his belt. But as it, as it stands, yeah, I, just, I don't know whether it's the style of their footballs, just, you know, not really not really suitable for the Europe at the moment. But, you know, Real Madrid, they're always going to be out of the group stages and get to the latter rounds, you know. Um, you know, you don't win that many Champions League for no reason. But uh, as it stands, yeah, it's not really looking good for La Liga at the moment. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Sociedad, they're still still in the Europa League. They're, they're top of their group at the moment with um, Man United. But yeah, um, Betis are there as well. But yeah, it's just... It's, it's not something that um, I'm quite I'm, I'm used to seeing. Obviously, this many Spanish teams drop down to the Europa League, so yeah, it's a bit worrying times at the moment. And yeah, we just have to see what happens because Barcelona in the, in the league compared to the Champions League is just like night and day. You know, the um, uh, Bayern Munich they pretty much got their number now. Um, I think I saw something they I think they lost. I believe it's um, 16, 16 or fifteen meetings. Uh, Bayern Munich got 11 wins, Barcelona got two, and they've drawn twice. So, yeah, I think it's a showing a golfing class. And maybe um, some of these other leagues, you know, they're starting to starting to show what, what they're made of, really, especially, obviously, the, the German teams. They're, they seem to be doing quite well at the moment as well. Um, obviously, Frankfurt, they got to the Europa League final last season, and, you know, they're in Tottenham's group. Obviously, that group, anything can happen. Uh, I yeah. think there's only, like, one point or two points separating, like, first and fourth. So... 
Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe the times have just come, come past with the Spanish teams and, yeah, they need to obviously rethink their approach to these uh, tournaments. Yeah, and of course, apologies, right, this is going against the running order, but it's a great segue to the Premier League because, um, obviously, recent news came out of Stephen Gerald get get fired as the Villa head coach and, of course, he's been replaced by Unai Emery, who actually left Villarreal to go to Villa. I mean, for me, I think this is another indication of how downhill the league has gone. The fact that, you know, years gone by, you would never see a manager leave, you know, a team that, you know, they, they reached the semi-finals last year of the Champions League. They mm. did so well in the tournament and you, know, you would never see a manager leave that to a team like Aston Villa. So I think it just shows how strong the Premier League is right now that all the managers that we're getting in the Premier League, all the players that are coming to sort of teams that, again, you would never have seen them go to in years gone by. And I, I think again shows the sort of how maybe how strong the Premier League is but also how the, the Liga has gone has devalued because you know Villarreal as big a club as Aston Villa they haven't got I think a way better team but yet he chose to leave them to a team that is 17-16 in the league and they paid a six million dollar uh, 5.2 million pound buyout to get him so yeah it's just I find that you know there's talk of um I was talking for Amron as well, going to them from Sporting. I think it's, um, yeah, I just think it's, it just shows me what's going on with La Liga at the moment. But we are going to head now to the Premier League, which is our third league we're covering today. A lot's happened in the last, in the last time we, since the podcast was last filmed. Um, of course, both my team and Ryan and, Ryan and Naeem's team, you know, Liverpool had the most Liverpool of fortnights. Now, we beat City 1-0. In what was a, from what I, I actually missed the game because I was busy, but from what I saw, it was a deserved win. We beat West Ham 1 0. But then on Saturday, just gone, we lost 1 0 to at the time of the bottom of the league, Nottingham Forest. So it, it's, and then we beat Rangers 7 1, we beat Ajax 3 0 last night. So I think it is, um, something's not right there. I think it's been a crazy two weeks. And then for Arsenal, it's been a crazy two weeks as well. I mean, got the win on the Sunday before our game, beating Leeds 1-0, but there was a penalty missed by Bamford and a lot of drama around that game. And then going to, obviously, there's no game midweek because of the rearranged fixture of City. And then on the Sunday, a 1-1 draw with Southampton. And it's um, obviously still top of the league, which is still good, but City, a bit like Bayern in the Bundesliga right now, they're creeping up slowly but surely. So I think it's been an interesting week from that point of view. Um, what are your boys' thoughts been on that whole fiasco with the Southampton game and the Leeds game and the fact that you are now just two points clear of City. Oh, okay, I'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think with Arsenal, obviously, we knew we knew. Obviously, we haven't really got the squad depth. Um, you know, when when the first team's not playing, well, we had we had a lot of chances. To be fair, um, you know, Jesus he had a few chances here and there, but you know what? If if we need someone to come off the bench to change the game, we just really haven't got anyone like Eddie. He's he'll 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 run around a lot, but I, I don't know, man. He's he's not he's not a good enough number two to come in if Jesus is not firing. Um, to come in, but I think I think the Europa League um is kind of catching up with us because in that tournament where we're playing about well, maybe four or five first team regulars, and then obviously they come into Sunday or Sunday or Monday, and then I don't know. It looks like not not fatigue, but I don't know, it's just at the start of the season, it was explosive, but I, I, I think, yeah, January would be important to get some reinforcements in. And 
yeah, as long as we can stay in the top um, top four by then, I think we should be all right. But yeah, it's, we just haven't got any squad depth really, um, and it's and it's starting to show at the moment. So I don't know. We might get a feel more of these results if we're not lucky. But yeah, we just have to wait and see. And Ryan, of course, um, the draw happened in the most week, recent weekend. Um, and in terms of obviously Jack has scored again, he's having a tremendous season. And I think there's been what's your take been on his resurgence? Because it only seems like yesterday when he got subbed off against, I think it was Palace, he told the fans to where to go, basically. Um, so what would you put down, Ryan, to his, his sort of how he's come back and now become one of Arsenal's most crucial players? I mean, I I I always tried to defend him until a point, you know, where he was getting sent off too regularly and was picking up unnecessary yellow cards. And obviously, we weren't playing well throughout that little bit of a period where he was getting most of the criticism. But he always used to be a you know a big difference if he was not on the pitch. And now we've got the players there that Arteta wants. He's been able to push him more forward, which seems to be his more natural position. And we're seeing him score goals. We're seeing him create as well, which things that we're not used to seeing. So I think that's a big credit to Arteta for really developing him in that sense. And um, just crucial that we keep Thomas Partey fit because obviously we need him more defensively to sort of help the back four, really, um, when Shaka does bomb forward. But in terms of recent weeks, obviously, we didn't look good against Leeds. Arguably, we didn't deserve to win the game. Um, I don't really see any other controversy around the game because Leeds, I don't believe, could have any arguments to any you know, VAR decisions. The VAR was right on every single decision. So I'm not really sure what they had to complain about. And again, Southampton they they went they went for it in the first half. They went too too much really into it. Obviously, we got the goal. We should have killed the game off. We didn't. And the second half, we had no legs left. We had no energy. And for Arteta, he made his substitutions way too late, in my opinion. And by that point, you know you can't expect to chuck a player on with ten minutes left and see them make a massive difference in the game. So. Um, I think it's starting to catch up with us a little bit now, like Naeem said. I'm a bit you know, disappointed with the amount of first-team players he's played tonight against PSV when we've already qualified from the group and you know, people are pointing out, well, we want to win the group to avoid playing an extra two games. I do understand that, but even if we'd lose tonight, we could obviously play our final game, which is at home, so Zurich, who haven't even got a point yet. You know, all we need to get is a point from that game and we'd still top the group anyway. So for me, to field the players that we have fielded tonight is an unnecessary risk. But saying that we are we have a home game at the weekend against Nottingham Forest, who obviously got that surprise win last season, uh, last week, sorry. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I still expect us to get the win. We're, we're a lot stronger at home than we are away. And, you know, hopefully we can get a bit of confidence back into the team because, um, yeah, obviously the last couple of results, even though we haven't lost them and we are still top, have 
sort of showing that we are we've still got a little bit of fragility there. But um, yeah, we definitely need to reinforce in January if we can. And one thing I want to get your thoughts on, particularly Ryan, um, is the fact that um, even though he's what he's got um, nineteen goal, no, nine, eight goals in nineteen games, uh, but they are eighth in their league. How good has made you feel that Flahovic chose Juventus over Arsenal? Um, it's a difficult one, that is, because he chose Juve at a time when, although they were struggling in a sense, they weren't struggling nearly as bad as they are now. And Juventus, for the last 10, 15 years, have been the big dogs of Serie A. So most... Serie A players want to go there. It's the same in Bundesliga with most players wanting to go to Bayern. Mm-hmm. So I understood why he wanted to make that move to stay in the same league as well um, rather than come to, a, to Arsenal, obviously, under a, an inexperienced manager in, in Arteta. So I understand why he made that move at the time. But, I mean, he probably I don't think he regrets it now, even, even now, you know, Juve will sort themselves out eventually and he's still very, very young as well. So even if it doesn't work out in the next year or two, he could end up probably forcing himself to move to a much bigger club. He's still a phenomenal talent and I don't think he'll be worrying anytime soon. Probably not, probably not. Um, all right, a quick one-word answer from both of you being Arsenal fans. We're talking realistic options, not talking of the Haaland or Messi or something, but... Both you guys will go to Naeem first. January comes like comes around. You know, you get one player to buy in a transfer window for January for Arsenal. If you are Teta, which one player are you buying? And I do realise this is only asked, I didn't ask you this before this thing started, so I do apologise for the lateness of this question. But um, yeah, one player in January, realistic option. Who would you buy? Um, well, I think we need another defensive midfielder to just cover part A. Eh? So. There's been talk of Milinkovic Savic, so I'll try and try and sign him. But I think we need to we need to strengthen in free free position. But I think yeah, midfield would probably be the main one at the moment. So yeah, I think we can realistically maybe get him. But obviously, getting players over from Italy is a bit hard. But he's been having a decent season so far. So yeah, they'll probably want probably about fifty to sixty million pounds for him. So I think realistically, we can get him. But yeah. I'd say, yeah, but we need a defensive midfielder, we need a winger and another striker because Eddie's not good enough as a number two. We need a proper number two. So, but yeah, defensive midfielder mainly. And Ryan, which one player would you buy for Arsenal? See, I'd love, I'd love Milinkovic Savic. He's, he's such a talent and he offers a lot. He's, he's so, you know, he's box to box, but he'd be a massive upgrade on, on Partey, who's already a top player. But I don't think realistically we'd be able to get him in January although he'd have 18 months left on his deal. I think Lazio would want too much for him, a lot more than what we'd be willing to pay. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we'd get that one. I do agree we need a midfielder, though. Um, I think, realistically, the one that we were linked with in the summer was um, a Brazilian midfielder, Danilo, I think, who currently plays for Palmeiras. So, that would be a, a decent deal, either that or another winger because we are lacking there as well. Um, Mudrilic from Shakhtar is, he's been on fire this season in the Champions League and he was linked with a lot of Premier League clubs again in the summer but again Shakhtar would want 
you know, a massive amount of money for him. So, yeah, I think I think we'll end up getting Danilo um, in midfield. Yeah, so I think that's what we'll end up doing. Finally, Jonathan, as someone from the outside looking in, um, who would be one player that you think Arsenal maybe could look at in January and realistically get? Oof, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd have to agree with Naeem in that they really have to shore, shore up the midfield. I've also um, seen those links to, to Savage over at Lazio. Um, gosh, I'm not sure. I, I it'd, be, it'd be hard to say if Shakhtar is going to sell uh, their young superstar already. I know Leverkusen made a push for him last summer and they offered $30 million, which wasn't enough. So, um, yeah, I, I'd probably say... Um, the defensive midfielder from Lazio is probably their best bet if they're willing to pay that much for a winter transfer for okay. a guy who might who might not even start to begin with if, if Partey is in form. I think it was mentioned the other day actually in the Athletic that the Cronkies obviously who are now putting more money into the club they did a similar thing with um, the I believe it's the Rams who they own in the NFL where they where they bought in I can't remember their names but they bought in a couple of real good um, players mm. because I think they were in with a chance of the of the Super Bowl which they I think they ended up winning it didn't they? anyway yeah, didn't they they did yeah that's what I mean if they see a chance if they see an opening that they're one of their own you know teams have a chance of realistically winning something they will put the money in and I think if we're still top you know post World Cup I do think that they will chuck the money in in January and um, really push for, for someone like Milinkovic Savage. But again, it depends where we are. Yeah, and of course, they also own um, a hockey team called the Colorado Avalanche, who did win the Stanley Cup, the most recent one. So I think they've got, they had some success recently. They got a team who's got, you know, a two time MVP in basketball as well. So I think they've got a really good, they, they know how to sort of run teams that do well. So I think, you know, I think we saw it with the Rams, we saw it with other teams they own that they are certainly capable of putting in the funds and, and making that these act do these actions to get these players. So I, I think yeah, I think yeah, I wouldn't shock me if they, they just go for it and try and get someone in January. Um before we go on to the final league, games look out for on the weekend. Um so my first one actually is Leicester against Man City because Leicester have won three in the last five games. They've had a really good run of forms Dave um being Forest 4 0 they did lose to Bournemouth, but they've drawn against Palace. They've beaten Leeds and they thrashed Wolves 4-0. So they're in really good form right now. And against City side that, whilst they did lose against us, they were back to winning ways against Brighton. But they did concede a goal. And for a while, it was a bit touchy at 2-1. They looked like they could have conceded a second one. So I think it's interesting to see whether Leicester can continue the form or whether City can just go back to their best. And of course, Haaland may not be playing. There's talk of him not playing this week. So without Haaland, for the first time this season, really, in the Premier League, Interesting to see how he'll do, how they'll do without him if he doesn't play. Second game I want to focus on is Brighton against Chelsea. For obvious reasons, it's Graham Potter's return to Brighton. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be in some of his press conferences, and I imagine that people that could be there that I know, it's going to be really weird to see them as the away manager rather than the home um, manager. And of course, you know, Brighton have been a bit hit and miss under their new managers. Um, so... And Chelsea, of course, were in good form. They won in the Champions League in midweek. They really could have, should have won that game against Man U. So that's going to be interesting from a fan's point of view. 
And then finally, it is Arsenal against Forest. You mentioned Arsenal before, has laid bounce back from a draw against a team that beat them in the FA Cup last year, albeit it was in Forest rather than Arsenal. Um, and of course, Forest got the win against Liverpool, which took them off the bottom of the league, um, even if that was only temporarily. So, yeah, I think I'm, I want to see how Forest do because I think is a fantastic manager. He's done well everywhere he's gone. So I think if he can get a win here once again against one of the big boys, I think that's a big message to the rest of the league, especially teams you know around him in the bottom four, bottom three. You know, you've got Leeds and Wolves currently, which Wolves surprised me how they're so far down. I don't know what they're doing with their manager at the moment. Um, Leicester are now off the bottom. They're now in 17th. So I think it's it's going to be interesting that relegation battle. I think there's no team is really safe from the drop at the moment. It's shown that recently. And then in terms of the top four, Newcastle are currently in fourth. But between third place Tottenham and seventh place Fulham, which again, no one expected, there's only five points. And Liverpool only four points behind, only two points behind that as well. Brighton are in ninth with 15 points. So top of the table, I think it seems to be just Man, U, Man City and Arsenal. But then that race top four is really interesting. Fulham are around there. Brighton are sniffing around. Liverpool are doing way worse than everyone expected. Chelsea and Man U are there as expected. So I think it's really exciting, really exciting um, time at the moment if you exclude um, Liverpool's bad form, which I'm trying to do at the moment. So our final league is all events going on in Italy. So our Serie A man is Ryan Basanji. Take it away. Obviously, yeah, we considering we missed last weekend we've got a little bit to to catch up on but I'll focus more on last weekend um, on a Saturday both Milan sides were in action and both of them took all three points Milan were dominant over Monza 4-1 winners pretty easy for them Inter though they needed a 95th minute winner against Fiorentina in a seven goal thriller 4-3 winners um, Latario Martinez in particular was really good that game and he's been in great form over the last few weeks and after a strong start to the season, Udinese now without a win in four games in all competitions, three in the league, one in the Coppa Italia. They lost at home at the weekend to Torino in a bit of a surprise result. Whilst Atalanta were also beaten at home by Lazio, who again, been in really good form lately as well. But the big game of the weekend was out in Rome, as Roma hosted Europe's informed club at the moment, Napoli. And it was Naples' outfit that won stay undefeated in Serie A this season with Victor Osimhen getting an 80th minute winner and it was a special goal as well so do check it out if you haven't seen it but uh, a special mention obviously to Frank Ribery who played his final game of a glittering career over the weekend for Salernitana who sent him off into retirement with a nice little win over Spezia as well so you know um, emotional scenes for him before the game but Obviously, I think it's the right time for him to call it a day. Uh, in terms of the table, it currently reads Napoli at the top, three points clear of the reigning champions Milan, with Lazio, Atalanta, Roma and Udinese trailing in that order. Uh, Inter and Juve both remain in seventh and eighth, respectively. But at the moment, it's Napoli's to lose, in my opinion. They look so strong in every area of the pitch, particularly up front with, obviously, Cavara, Tisquilia, Simeone, Osimhen. Lozano, Raspadori, you know, they're all in really, really good form. And uh, defensively, even uh, Min Jae Kim, they brought in him over the summer. He's been excellent. Uh, and Guisa in midfield has been top class as well. And the depth that they have in 
the most important areas of the pitch. I think we'll we'll get them over the line this season finally, and um, it'll be great scenes as well if they if they do do it. Obviously, with Milan last season, we've ended the season before. We are seeing different winners every other season at the moment, which is really good for Serie A. Obviously, and Juve's dominance, and I mean they've got a little to no chance at the moment. They're ten points adrift already. And although they did get a win on Friday night against Empoli, they uh, they still don't look good. They didn't look great in midweek as well, away to Benfica, who we know are in brilliant form at the moment. But um, you know they were four one down at one point. They they could have easily gone five one down. Um, they saved themselves a little bit. They got a couple of goals back, obviously, and you know it, it was a bit of a less of a embarrassing result than what it could have been. Again, they were really, really poor. And I don't think many would have predicted a Juve win or even a draw pre-game, to be honest with you. Um, it's not the only bit of sort of bad news as well for, for Juve at the moment. Obviously, I mentioned quite a while ago that they were under investigation as well. Shock. Um, basically, I don't I can't remember who, who the prosecutors are in the case, but it's related to some of their transfer dealings um, and hiding basically the real values of some of them, whether it's to avoid tax or I don't really know how it all works, but it's also actions in related to the player wages during the COVID pandemic as well. So um, at the moment, that's sort of now coming to a close and it's um, not known yet whether they're going to face sort of criminal action, really. I think it's likely that they would. There are 16 suspects under investigation at the moment, with Juve being one of them, obviously, as an independent entity. But, yeah, 15 of its officials, including you know previous uh, staff at the club, including the Tottenham director of football at the moment, Fabio Paratici, are all under investigation. So it'll be interesting to see what is the outcome of that. But, yeah, um, not really too much else to add at the moment. I think we might be a little bit of a curse on this podcast because whenever we praise a team, they always get bad results afterwards. So we praise, was it Bilbao? Someone in La Liga we praise and then they got a bad few results. We praise Arsenal and they got a draw against Southampton and we praise Atalanta in recent weeks and they, you know, they've fallen down to fourth now and they've lost their first game of the season. So I do feel that we are actually a bit of a curse on this podcast to a certain team. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows how, it's, uh, how the strange world works sometimes, but... Um... I mean, we could we could look at it another way because at the start of the season, you know, when we were doing our predictions, I think most of us, including myself, didn't give Napoli much hope. And obviously, it's only them and Real Madrid, I think, at the moment that are unbeaten um, in their domestic leagues anyway. Obviously, Real Madrid, they lost last night to Leipzig. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think many predicted it. To be fair, those predictions were before they made some of their summer signings. Um, but even then, I don't think I would have changed my opinion too much. No one saw the outcome of what Kavara Tosquilia would have or even um, you know Kim Jay at the back. So, yeah. And also, I want, to, I want to ask Jonathan this question particularly. Who do you think, Jonathan, will collapse more this season from this point? Atalanta or Freiburg? <laughs> oh, it has to be Atalanta. I mean, Freiburg, not only will they win the Bundesliga, they'll win the Europa League. 
Then they'll win the Champions League next year. No. Uh, and then they'll join the Super League. No. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know too much about Antalanta this year. Uh, I probably actually knew more about them uh, a couple seasons ago. I haven't been following Syria as closely, but when it comes to Freiburg, I see them sticking around for at least a decent part of the season in the Bundesliga. I don't see them qualifying for the Champions League. Um, although they're my Europa League uh, predictions to win the championship, I, I, I doubt it. So uh, I'll, we just have to hope that they can stick around for as long as possible. But depth-wise, if they have any sort of real entry concerns, it could start going downhill very quickly. Yeah, I'd love to see what, what predictions were for you. I remember that at one point, Ryan had Liverpool winning the league. I think they had Dortmund winning the Bundesliga. I know um, other ones. I think I'd Inter Milan to win the Europa League. Um, <laughs> I that's one I can remember top of my head. Um, I need to fully listen back to the podcast, and we'll need to, um, yeah, look, hopefully look back at that at the end of the season with some sort of pride left. <laughs> last season. <laughs> oh mate, last season Did, didn't we all? We, had, we all had Ronaldo, didn't we, as a top scorer last season? If I remember, if I remember rightly, in Serie A, no. This year or last year? Last year, wasn't it? We had Ronaldo to win Golden Boot in Syria. Yeah. It's, it's funny we mentioned the Super League there, though, because obviously there's a bit more um, sort of, what's it called? More talk, There's more talk of it now again. Oh. We've seen everything, obviously, in, in recent weeks. And obviously we know that there's still three teams in Real, Barcelona and Juventus who never really actually oh. came out of it. Um, and I believe, actually, there's... It's a chance that the La Liga games might not actually go ahead this weekend because there was something passed um, over the course of the last week where clubs are now going to be protesting because it more or less allows Super League to sort of happen kind of thing. Um, something to do with CVC as well. Um, so that'd be interesting to see. But like someone mentioned, you know, the fact that the some of the founders of the Super League or, you know, Arsenal, United, Barca, Juve, Atletico Madrid, all in the Europa mm-hmm. League. So, yeah, I was uh, just going to mention that. I mean, it's hilarious. Out of the 12 teams, Atletico, Manchester United, Arsenal, not in Champions League. And then I think AC Milan and, and Tottenham could, could join them as well. So that would be seven out of 12 teams not even in the Champions League and, and trying to do this silly little thing still that that uh you know most fans absolutely despise it's it's sad but at the same time it's it feels like at some point it will become reality as sad as it is i think it was mentioned today that without the english clubs it's a non-star anyway and whether the english clubs would would even dare attempt it again um after obviously the protest that we saw last time i'd be i'd be very shocked to see see if it did you know materialize into anything more than what it is now i don't think it will i think they saw the the backlash and they know not to not to attempt it again i think they'll try maybe look at it more as a you know a pre-season kind of thing mm. whether it's you know a tournament in in that sense i think would would make more more sense um but again i don't I don't, know, I don't know what that will be good there because pre-season teams tend to like you know they'll play they've started for like half the game at most and just few so I think if they want a Super League to work and they don't want to have it where 
it's just youngsters or fringe players playing all they've got about. So I don't know how they can make it work because no one wants to have extra games in pre-season as well. So I think it'd be interesting if they do do that, whether they actually do play the best players or not. I think it, it would depend on the, the kind of money on offer to the winners mm-hmm. and um, obviously throughout the whole competition, really. And actually, if they did make it more of a, a worldwide thing rather than just a Europe thing where they, you know, they allow teams from the likes of Brazil and Argentina and you know, Australia and whatnot to be able to compete as well, which would obviously have more of a, a global audience to it. And I think, like I say, if they put the money up for it, which obviously they do have, then it could be seen as maybe a major, a major club tournament, obviously not in, in the same realms of the Champions League, but maybe not too far off that if it's, if it's a regular thing, maybe every two or three years. Um, I could definitely see that scenario happening, but anything else, I don't, I don't see any. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But that is the end of our podcast for this week. So thank you everyone for listening and tuning in. Do though like, comment, share the word on our YouTube, on our podcasts, and also to try and grow this podcast as much as we can. But thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Jonathan. This has been Naeem. And we will see you guys next time.